What's up, my podcast listeners? Uh, this is your host, Rafael Majeshevsky, and this is another whiteboard edition to the podcast video vlog thing that I've been doing. And we are going to do a part two to kettlebells, and also just a heads up. My dog, Misty, is in here, and she likes to go on this bed, so she might hop up and just like fuck all this shit up. Um, number two, if you've been watching the videos, I will periodically back and forth check if my camera is still rolling. And for those listening, I'm gonna put the link to the video if you want a more visual approach to this episode. Before we get into that, we need to do some shout outs. Um, still my number one city. I did a post on this on Facebook uh, a couple days ago. Uh, the city of Corona in California. Shout out to everyone in Corona listening to my show. Like, in the last seven days, I've had over 1,364 people listen to my show. So that's super cool. Uh, number two, all the way in Ireland, a city called Slig. Fuck, I'm gonna mispronounce this. Sligo, 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 Sligo. I don't know. Everyone from Ireland, please let me know how the hell do I say that. And our number three most listened city is the city of LA in California. Shout out to everybody in LA listening to my show. Boom. All right. We are going to go through. A couple things today but the main thing I want to cover is this concept of oh man this thing is moving tension other terms that fall in line with this is stability irradiation and let's go core engagement. This is super wobbly. I'm gonna move it a little bit. So I have so many pillows that are in the colors of Gryffindor. Just a side note. All right, so what the hell does all this mean? So words like tension, stability, irradiation, and core engagement, and yes, I did not write the entire word because I realized as I started writing stability, it was a lot smaller than tension, and I would probably end up at the edge, and I don't want to go all the way there. Anyway, when it comes to training, people tend to want to brace their core um, to prevent injury, to you know execute the exercise properly, but what does that really mean? How do we accomplish it? And do the words matter? Honestly, it doesn't. Like, if I have to tell somebody, like, imagine a fucking linebacker running at you and you try to, like, brace. That's another word we can even throw in here. Brace. Actually, another word. Intra abdominal pressure. So we got a lot of words that describe this idea of creating tension through our body while we're exercising. Now, 
how I teach this to clients who don't really understand it. Because I find that, especially in a clinic setting, everyone's kind of just like loosey-goosey, flat, whatever it is, right? Um, how I create the feeling of tension, the feeling of creating core engagement, the feeling of stability, the feeling of irradiation is exercises that make you feel it no matter what you do. And I've been utilizing this technique, um, especially in my um, skin stretch classes, because you know an example is the dead bug. People know what that is. You're lying on your back, opposite arm, opposite leg, whatever it is. And a lot of people just kind of flop back and forth and are not getting the benefit of the exercise. They're kind of just like yanking on their hip flexors for dear life and then they feel it in their lower back. So if I can teach someone tension, it enhances the quality of the exercise and produces more muscle fiber um, activation, more muscle cells are moving and doing their thing. And that in turn will make you burn more calories. It'll get you sweaty, it'll make you feel like you did a good workout, it'll prevent injury, you're gonna be long, uh, you'll spend more time in the gym, you, that whole thing, right? How I teach this is something called the starfish game. So imagine if I was laying down on my back, and by the way, this is like a throwback to Cut the Shit Get Fit, the first ever t-shirt I made. This was probably made, yeah, three, four years ago, three years ago? Yeah, this is the first ever Cut the Shit Get Fit t-shirt. Not available anymore. Because remember, every time I come up with uh, t-shirts, it's like one of a kind. Kind of like Disney, where they have like new stuff. It's always new stuff every single year and you can never get it again. Anyway, starfish, boom, I'm here. Leg spread, arm spread to 45. I tell my client slash patient, don't let me move you. I'm gonna try to lift your arms and legs off the ground and I want you to fight to stick to the ground. And like right away, when I lift that first arm up, they're like, whoa! And then I go to the other arm and they know what to do. With the leg I go again, and with the other leg I go again, and we kind of just play around. And then they eventually like, oh shit, like that's what I'm supposed to feel. That kind of tension, and you can go try it right now if you have like a friend, your partner, or whatever it is, to see what I mean. That feeling of tension is what people need in order to perform an exercise correctly, right? So when I think about this stuff, this is gonna get super messy. I'm gonna try to draw a giant circle. When I think about all this stuff, what this means is safety. Damn, that's terrible writing. Um, safety, right? So if I were to go tell you to pick up a hundred pound dumbbell, you're going to like, oh shit, it's heavy. I need to like make sure I brace and pick it up so I don't fuck my back up. That's tension, that's core engagement, that's bracing, that's intra-abdominal pressure, that's stability, that's irradiation. That gives you safety, right? So if I can teach this from the very beginning with a new client, new patient, whatever it is, they are going to be set up for success. If you skip this step in exercise, that's where injury comes to play. Because what happens is when you don't train your body to adapt to 
stability work, tension work, irradiation work, whatever it is, then you have a problem. You end up fatiguing an exercise like everyone does, and usually in those kind of class settings, high intensity kind of bullshit, um, you end up losing the capability to keep that safety around your joints and then things start to pile up and hurt. So that being said, if we can create tension, we can create safety, right? So where does this fall in line with kettlebells? There's a few things. So if you've been following me on Instagram and Facebook, I've done a series of posts of like three things you need to know um, to get yourself out of pain. And one of them was tension. Learn how to create tension. So one of the first things I do after kind of grasping the concept of creating tension for a client or, you know, whatever it is, um, is the utilization of kettlebells. The first thing that I tend to do is teach a client, um, depending on where they're coming from, but usually it's like a low back pain case. So I teach them how to hinge. And depending again where they are, there's a few directions with this, but typically I will go down the route of a kettlebell deadlift that's elevated. Um, again, I'm gonna be doing another post um, in the future about deadlift depth but for the sake of this video, we're gonna be doing an elevated kettlebell deadlift. How heavy should you go? It depends. So there's kind of two trains of thought. One, you wanna pick a moderate weight that's not too light or too heavy because if it's too light, the person doesn't really get it. If it's too heavy, they might injure themselves because they're coming back from a back injury or whatever it is. And you kinda of wanna fall within the middle. The other train of thought is you want to go heavy because that gives you some external stimulus of like, oh shit, I need to pick up something heavy. I better brace for it, right? So it really is up to the discretion of the coach, you, whatever you want to do. I tend to go on the safer side, but again, depending on the situation, um, for example, like CrossFitter, dude that is like rock solid, comes in with a back injury and I want to reinforce the hip hinge pattern to kind of give a sense of stability, safety within his hips and low back. I'm not gonna give him a 12 kilo kettlebell. I'm probably gonna give him a 24, right? If the guy is used to fucking like deadlifting 400 pounds and snatching 135 over his head, those 12 kilos not gonna do him justice. It's not gonna get the point across that we're trying to make here. So um, kind of depending on the situation, but with that kettlebell, the way I teach tension after the whole starfish game that we played, I will get someone set up for a deadlift. I need to do another video on this because the deadlift tutorial I have online is old and there's so many more things. People that I've seen in the clinic and seen in the gym, anytime they come see me, I ask them this one question, what is your bracing strategy for your deadlift? And they don't know what I'm talking about and they have no idea, like I spoke a different language to them and they kind of just stare at me like, and I'm like, okay, we got some work to do. And then first I ask them, show me how you deadlift. And usually just by going to grab the barbell and setting up, I'm like, this is the reason why you have issues. but. There's a lot of different factors in there. So let's get back to 
the kettlebell. So we're set up in the deadlift position. Kettlebell is elevated. Say we're using a 12 kilo. I will instruct the patient or client to grab the kettlebell and think about breaking the fuck out of that handle. And I get aggressive when I say this so they understand. I don't go, okay, when you grab a kettlebell, I want you to grab tight and just grip it really hard. No, I'm like, I want you to grab the kettlebell like your life depended on it. And I want you to fucking break it. And I swear, honestly, I swear in patient visits and client visits, and some people, like some practitioners will say that like that's unprofessional, but it, it comes across in not a negative way if you understand because the moment I say fuck in a professional setting people clue into that really quick and they're like oh shit I gotta pay attention because you just said the f word right so I use it to my advantage I don't go like oh yeah fucking pick up the kettlebell because fucking yeah fuck 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 I don't do that I use it sparringly and at the right moment to give it context, right? So now that I have the person's attention and they are gripping that kettlebell as tight as possible, I then tell them, I want you to take a huge, deep belly breath. And again, going back to kettlebells and the Turkish get up part one, we already talked about uh, breathing and diaphragmic um, crap. All right, so they already know that stuff. So now they know I'm gripping as tight as possible. I'm taking a deep breath in. And then I tell them, I want you to push your feet into the ground as hard as possible and then push your feet out to the side as hard as possible and then drive that thing up as hard as possible. And the moment they do that, they come up and back down, come up and back down. And I go, okay, how did that feel? They're like, damn, that was hard. I'm like, yeah, we used 12 kilo kettlebell and we just used a better tension, stability, irradiation, core engagement, brace, and intra-abdominal pressure strategy that you've never used before in a um, exercise that you've done many times, but probably with really, really shitty form and didn't properly execute it. And your nervous system, your entire body was like, holy shit, what did you just do to me? That kind of tension will create more of a training adaptation and build a resilient ironclad body. Look at that selfish plug for my new book. Um, that's how I utilize a kettlebell deadlift to create tension, this concept of tension. That is literally one of the first things I do with every single patient, every single client to set them up for success. So now, you know, if we go back to part one, I talked about breathing. That's kind of here. Part two, we're going into tension, how to create it, how to create that safety net. So you got breathing, tension, safety net. And now we're adding the kettlebell. See how there's like levels to this? And this is how people need to progress in order to keep going to the gym, keep seeing results. And I, I think this is why a lot of people who end up, hey, it's January 1st, I'm going to start going back to the gym. And they do the same shit over and over and over again. But these small little intricate things help a lot. Think about it. Olympic weightlifters and powerlifters, they usually have three lifts that they practice all year round, but somehow they get stronger, they get bigger, faster, whatever it is, right? It's just how you implement it, what kind of principles of training you apply to it, and that goes a long way. Now, how do I also create tension with other exercises with kettlebells? The one thing that I really, really like about kettlebells is that the handle is, tends to be thicker than a dumbbell. 
and usually the kettlebells um, that I use that are good quality have this and it usually also happens on kettlebells that are um, the testing ones. So for women, like I wrote this before on part one, um, depending on where your weight class is, you're either using a 12 or a 16 kilo and those handles tend to be thicker. For men, it's usually a 20 kilo or 24. Um, and then sometimes um, if you're a bigger dude to 32 kilo, or you know, to 28, I believe, I can't remember anymore, those handles are thicker, right? So now imagine if I have to hold something thicker to make sure it doesn't fall to the ground and smash my feet, I need to rip tight. So this whole idea of creating tension, stability, irradiation, core engagement, bracing, and intra-abdominal pressure, one way to do it is the grip. So just like the kettlebell deadlift, I am squeezing and breaking it apart. What that happens is sensing, sensing, can't even speak, sends a signal from all the information coming from my hand, going up to the shoulder and going, hey, we are gripping something fucking tight. Make sure you centrate, boom, so then we can lift this thing. And centration, can also be in this category as well. How do I do that with a kettlebell other than deadlift? Carries. If I gave two 24 kilo kettlebells and that's 55 pounds or close to 55 pounds in each hand to a client, the last thing they would want to do is kind of fall and be loose. They're automatically going to go, boom, I need to brace, right? That's another exercise that makes you feel tension, stability, radiation, core engagement, bracing, intra-abdominal pressure, and joint centration all in one exercise. How do I take it a step further? So I like farmer carries. Traditionally, awesome exercise. But the thing that I saw that happens in gyms all the time, especially in big box gyms, you have that one idiot that like starts running back and forth in the gym with heavy ass dumbbells and then ends up just like dropping them in the corner and going, ah, fuck. Um, so I can't remember where I stole this from. It's probably great cook. Like, let's be honest, this guy comes up with everything. But this whole idea of like, if you were walking on a tightrope, so if you are familiar with the FMS, um, the board is basically like a two by four. And imagine in that inline lunge position, um, you are basically in line with like, say if your right foot in front and your left foot is directly in line together. And that challenges ankle stability, knee stability, hip stability, and core stability to be able to hold that position. And what happens is when balance is present, your body slows down to contract and control the movement. So with that line of thought, I was like, if I combine balance requirements out of an exercise like a farmer carry, I'm gonna get a lot more tension, stability, radiation, core engagement, bracing, intra-abdominal pressure, and joint centration. So now what I do, farmer carry, two kettlebells, walking heel to toe while the other foot 
goes right in front. So I don't know if you saw my feet, but imagine this is my right foot, I took a step. My left foot comes right in front of it where my heel is basically touching my toe. And then I alternate walking forward. And then, depending on the person again, walking backwards in the same fashion. I typically do 10 steps forward, 10 steps back twice. In that time, because you have to go slow, when people go fast on this, they end up losing their balance and falling. They, it, it's instant feedback, right? That instant feedback slows everything down. And when you slow an exercise down, you get more bang for your buck. No one likes fast exercises unless it is designed to be fast. Something like a farmer carry, when I slow it down, even though like say in a traditional farmer carry program, you have a hundred yards of a carry, you know, or a gym length and say that takes, I don't know, 30 seconds, you walking forward and back twice, 10 steps, nice and slow, is probably gonna be a ballpark around 30 to 45 seconds. So you're still getting that endurance-like um, training effect in your grip, right? So now we've combined two things, two principles together to create a better training effect. And honestly, this is, this is what I think functional training is. Functional training is not, oh, I do everything single arm and single leg, I balance and I go on a BOSU. No, that's not functional training. I think what functional training is, in my opinion, is taking exercises that make sense for the individual and trying to combine principles of different facets of the fitness industry together to make a better training effect, more bang for your buck. Like, we can only trash our body so much, so why not find other um, principles and strategies from exercise from, again, different places in the world that do really, really well. So, you know, balance and freaking grip strength, like put together, like that's brilliant, brilliant, right? So now another way with kettlebells to create this idea, so, I should have wrote that down. So I'm gonna go, I don't know why I changed colors, but uh, kettlebell deadlift, and on this side carries, I don't know why I wanna do this. Okay, something else that I wanna put in here. Another way to create tension with kettlebells. One, the Turkish getup. We're just gonna do one of these, TGU. And we already went over that. The other one, kettlebell, arm bar. Can't remember if I spoke about this before, but the kettlebell arm bar, arm bar, <laughs> arm bar is hands down my favorite way to rehab a shoulder and also learn how to create tension, but at the same time, learn how to relax. Because this whole idea of like, I'm gonna create tension. I'm super tense. I have stability, I'm bracing, I'm, my core's on. But you can't really move eloquently when you're constantly bracing, right? Like, you need to be able to contract, relax, contract, Relax, which I spoke about, I think, in the last whiteboard session about crawling, if I can remember correctly. So the kettlebell armbar, if you don't know what it is, 
one, search it up on my YouTube page. I have a bunch of videos on it. But this, to kind of give a visual, is like if I was laying down to set up for a Turkish getup, I have a kettlebell on my right arm. My left arm is straight above me like an overhead press. And now my left leg is also straight. I lift my right leg up and I roll over to my side and I'm in a sideline position with the kettlebell here. My head is forward and not looking at the kettlebell. Now I don't know where it is in space and time, so my shoulder has to stabilize. How do I teach my shoulder to stabilize? Going back to carries, I death grip that uh, handle and now boom, tension, safety, irradiation in this position. What is my rest of my body doing? Since I'm in a sideline position, it's kind of hard to like, I'm gonna contract my whole body in this position. It almost creates like this, I have full tension here to fight this offset weight. The rest of my body has to relax and that's where I go back to breathing like I did in part one with this kettlebell stuff. And now I have an exercise that's now getting the utilization of diaphragmic breathing, grip strength, shoulder stability, learning how to create tension on a unstable joint like the glenohumeral joint, all in one exercise. Again, another way for functional training to actually be functional, right? We're taking two or three even, yeah, three concepts all meshed into one exercise. And it's one of those things where you keep doing it and then you start seeing that, hey, this is actually really easy. And all you do is either you increase the weight or now let's take away the visual system and I close my eyes and try to balance it out, right? Um, that's another one that I like to use. Bottoms up. Learning how to stabilize a kettlebell in a bottoms up position is one of the most difficult ways to do so. I think the bottoms up position is probably the most underused exercise out there right now. Um, the kettlebell community does use it. I don't think they use it enough, um, to be honest with you. I remember when I was first introduced to the bottoms up position, so kettlebell bell thing is up here and then the handle goes through your hand. That requires a lot to stay in, in that one position, let alone throw in a carry variation, let alone do it in a Turkish getup, let alone do it in a kettlebell armbar, let alone, I'm gonna add another category here so I can talk about it. Squats and lunges, which is another way to create tension, but I'll talk about that later. Um, let alone do that with a squatting pattern or a lunge pattern. You can't really do a, deadlift without bottoms up that I know of. Yeah, no, I don't think you can. Um, when you introduce balance, what happens? Tension's created, stability's formed, irradiation happens, core turns on, you're bracing, intra-abdominal pressure happens, and you centrate your joints. Because in a bottoms up position, it almost like tells your nervous system that something even heavier is there, and like, honestly, when I use like a bottoms up position for patients, it's like a six or eight kilo and they're like, oh my God, right? And that almost tricks the nervous system into thinking it's heavier. So now everything has to get 
that tension to create that safety that we want. It is like a self-correcting way to place all of our joints in a better position, a more optimal position, right? So if we know that bottoms up is like a piece that layers on top of all these exercises, that's how you progress yourself, right? But there's elements of the bottoms up that can help. So say I have someone with a really shitty shoulder that needs to work on their stability work, just holding this without any movement for 30 seconds and then switch sides and they're like, oh shit, this is really easy, right? Usually what I do to make sure that the other side's not just wasting time, because when you hold a kettlebell, I don't know if you guys can see this, um, a lot of people will try to balance it on the palm right here, right? And then what happens is when it becomes easier, you either go heavier or what I do is I slide the wrist into a neutral position where the knuckles point up. Because a lot of times when people hold the kettlebell, the knuckles are pointing towards a wall. But if I strain it out and now the literally the handle of the bar is at the bottom of my palm, that's a lot harder to hold and stabilize, right? So that's something nice and simple, right? From there, that's where I'll do some sort of carry variation. From there, you know, we can do something like a squat, right? So rather than holding a kettlebell here or, um, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but rather than holding a kettlebell here or a dumbbell here, bottoms up position, same pack position and squat. Like that's really challenging. But another thing I didn't talk about is just a regular um, goblet squat with a kettlebell the way to create tension in it, when I'm holding the horns, so the handle part is called the horns, again, just like the kettlebell deadlift, I'm telling the person to death grip it, but also to pull it apart like you're Superman ripping off this shirt, right? This pulling apart piece gives you that lat engagement that you want, shoulders are centrated, and you're creating that tension. So I get people to do that and they're like, holy shit, this is like the hardest squat I've ever done with a 16 kilo kettlebell, right? So all this idea of tension, you can do just like body weight stuff. But the reason why I like um, kettlebells to teach the tension is that it creates a global magnifying effect. It just enhances it. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like Google earth when you're like looking at one little address and then you're like, Oh, what else is around there? And you click that little minus sign and it just broadens your perspective. And that's what kettlebells do. They broaden the perspective of each exercise. Oh, Oh, I kept going. I just got the, uh, low battery sign. I'm at 20%, so I might have to wrap this up. Um, so that being said, you wanna find exercise that will magnify and broaden the effect of it. And kettlebells just do that. So think about every exercise that you're doing right now. There's probably some sort of variation out there with a kettlebell that will just give you that extra edge. Now I'm not saying like, as of right now, start using kettlebells for every single exercise. It's like, no, like if you've been doing a single arm dumbbell bench press forever, try it with a kettlebell. It's going to fucking suck. It's going to encourage you to stabilize more, create more tension, burn more calories, do your thing, get stronger, burn more fat. Boom. Simple change. 
If you've been lunging with dumbbells, fucking throw kettlebells in there, right? There's so many different carry variations with a kettlebell that you can do with that feels more natural than a dumbbell that will enhance your lunges. Think about a double racked kettlebell, offset double kettlebell, um, <laughs> offset single kettlebell um, reverse lunge, for example, a fucking bottoms up reverse lunge. Like the possibilities are endless when it comes to this. It's just like your imagination of what you can do, right? So I'm going to leave it at that because I don't want my camera to die out but I think kettlebells is one of the best tools to create this concept of tension to build a resilient body to build that ironclad body coming soon um, and overall just make you a badass in the gym like I look at kettlebells as kind of like filling the gaps of your training program and the more you can use them the better it is and they fucking look cool <laughs> Um, okay, I'm going to end it there. I might do a part three on kettlebells. I don't know yet. Um, if you guys have any requests on what you want me to speak on, because I can talk about this stuff forever, let me know. Um, that's it for me. Thank you for listening. People watching, more people listening, the link for the video will be in the show notes. Also in the show notes, add me on Instagram, add me on Facebook. I'm going to say what's up. Um... Thank you for listening, you guys. This is a lot of fun. Until next time.